What's going on, everybody? It is Coach Greg Adams back in here and that's you. with another YouTube live stream. I got money. Shout out to the Coach Gang for being in here, being involved, and being active on this YouTube channel. And welcome to Tuesday, Slow Tuesday Night, where, uh, listen, God bless you guys all for your Slow Tuesdays. Here, once again, with one of those controversial shows. I don't know how to stay away from controversy. All right. I don't know a way to stay away from controversy. We were going to go to Pleasantville today, but I didn't have my black and white camera. Anyway, uh, we do a show over here just for people because I know this is going to draw a new audience of people um, to this show because of this topic. People who don't understand what we do here. See, uh, what we do here, or <laughs> we have to explain to the, uh, to the normal ham and eggers in the lemmings and all of these people. What would you say you do here? Yeah, what would you say we do here? What we do here is we tell a uncomfortable truth instead of comfortable truth, uh, comfortable lies. Everything is in a in a way which people are going to say we're shaming or judging, but we're just bringing awareness for men to understand what they're sometimes getting into when they're entering into the dating marketplace, especially when they're a little bit older. If you're a little bit older man, you're dealing with women who are not. 21 and 22 anymore not at the junior college you're dealing with women 28 30 34 and up and typically what happens is there's a part of the lives of their lives that you missed that you can't hold them accountable for and that sometimes they will say well these situations force me to do some things that now you're going to place judgment on me but you shouldn't judge me but that's unfortunate because our lives are constantly judged all right at some point Afterwards, if you joined my stream yesterday or earlier this morning, you will be judged for your actions here. And a lot of people like to have their sins all washed away and not be held accountable for these things. Now, with that being said, this story today is comes from, you know, Dateline, uh, uh, Dateline 48 Hours and the shows like ID Channel. And I love these channels because they show the true uh, meaning of human nature. As you guys know, I'm not impressed by you Americans. And I'm not, I'm not oppressed. I'm not impressed by people. I basically can see through people as if they were paper thin. And a lot of people leave, live secreted lives. Now, we've been hinting at this in the suburbs, in the suburbs. We've been talking about the community for so long. And I hinted at this talking about the suburbs. A lot of people live very secreted lives beyond all of this facade. I call it a facade, but facade. There's a lot of things that are very pleasant here. Everybody's lawns are manicured and clipped. Everyone's gates are polished and every door, everyone's doors are nice and painted. But behind those closed doors, there are a lot of secrets. There are a lot of secrets and many times you don't realize it until an uncomfortable event happens, like someone loses their lives or someone loses their job or they have to change their finances. All of a sudden, the facade comes crashing down. All of a sudden, the hot house of cars starts crashing down. And this is the story. Now, I don't celebrate the loss of life. And unfortunately, the woman that we're featuring this in this story lost her life. And um, it came as a direct result of some choices that she made in her life. So we cannot excuse that. It is not an excuse to have her lose her life. However, the decisions that she made in her life caused her to put herself in this situation. And she chose to put herself in this situation, which if you choose, then you should be judged, all right? A lot of people are in the business to say that I choose to put myself on the cover of Sports Illustrated, but you can't judge me. I'm sorry, that's a judgment 
uh, profession. You should be judged. And in the situation here, some people do make have consequences in their life. Like, say, for instance, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins lost his life. Um, and it was now revealed that he was drunk and he had a drunk woman, not his wife, passed out in the car. And people were making judgments about the young man, even though he lost his life. That's just an example of what people try to do here in the Dwayne Haskins situation. They're saying, oh, he must have been doing something he wasn't supposed to do. Oh, he was making choices about his life. Oh, we should be able to judge him. Yes, he was with another woman, drunk, passed out in the, in his car, and he was drunk, and he was on some drugs, and the other woman wasn't his wife. And now people are questioning things, and they're making judgments about him. See, when it's a man, they always can make the judgments. But when it's a woman, they will always find a way to say, oh, you know what? We shouldn't judge her. She made her choices. No judgment zone here. No judgment zone. No judgment zone. They know better. They know better. So we're going to we're going to explain this away. We're going to explain this away just so we can show you that sometimes you make uncomfortable choices. Suburban housewives are not perfect. We've been talking about the community women. We got to go ahead and tell you about them white breads over there. All right. Because sometimes they do some things that if it was a sister, they would be trashing her right now. <laughs> I'm just letting y'all know. But because she portrayed a housewife from the suburbs then they're not going to trash her as much and everybody uplifts her. So I just wanted to say that to let everybody know what's going on here. Now, people are going to join us and then they're going to say, well, I can't believe you're judging her. Oh, well, this is what we do here. This is what we do here. We don't judge per se, but we use every story as a cautionary tale, a cautionary tale to do your due diligence on people's backgrounds. Recently, this happened to me, a young woman that I was dealing with. Um, all of a sudden, she hinted at some interesting events in her background. Uh, she re refused to deal, uh, refused to be forward with me with these informations after I'd already dealt with her and thought I did my due diligence. And then she uh, told me that there was something going on in her life. And I said, oh, hold on, baby. You need to tell me what that is. And she refused to tell me. So I cut her off. And she did not act in a, uh, in a proper accordance of the CGA laws. And she got her ass cut off. All right. So. In that situation there, those are those are things when you see red flags that you missed the first time and it comes back around, you go, OK. Since I see these red flags, I can cast judgments. And then sometimes in this situation, you'll look at the young woman that we're going to discuss today. Sometimes these red flags can bring danger to you. So, yes, we can judge her because if she was with another man in this situation happened. She that other man's life could be at risk. Similarly to the woman that I cut off, I said, you know what, my life and my career and my job and everything could be impacted by continuing to deal with you. And then I find out you are living a double life. And that way I have to cut you off in this way. Other men should have cut her off because obviously her life was in danger. Based on the choices that she made, you understand what I'm saying? So people should be judged, not that you should shame them, but they should be judged in this situation. Okay. Let's get to the cash apps and the super chats and the PayPal's. By the way, you cannot super chat over on this channel. They don't allow this particular truth to come along. So we're going to make a lying channel pretty soon here. A channel to give you guys some sweet little lies, all right, that you're comfortable with. I can tell you and paint a rosy picture about life if you want. But uh, in this case, man, uh-oh, somebody hit me with the sponsorship. Let's go ahead and honor the sister. All right, I think it's a sister. All right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, you've been here for a while. I don't know. You say no need to shout me out, but hey, you don't want to be shouted out. 
let's go ahead and give you a round of applause because you sponsored a brother today. Gosh, I feel bad that you don't want to get any sister. You don't want to get any credit. Oh, man. Okay, send me some feet pictures then. All right, that's how we do it. <laughs> oh, man. Didn't even want no credit. With a full sponsorship, I really, really appreciate that. That means that you, you know, you've been here for a long time and you've been watching. I appreciate you coming back, kicking a brother down and helping me. All right. Appreciate that, man. Shout out to Robert Harley. He says, great stream this morning, coach. I'd like to rent, recommend an interview uh, of Pastor Dowell did with Dr. Gina Murray on YouTube. A woman's perspective of ownership and submission may be too much truth. Quote, 20 minutes in, he says, sisters, uh, who have not been useful to their husbands are fearful of a young girl coming in. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, okay. So that does coincide with our story this morning. The, the sister, Dr. Gina Murray was saying sisters who have not been useful to their husband are fearful of a young girl coming in. And I think Pastor Dowell does believe in polygyny, polygyny, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and um, I love Pastor Dowell, by the way, great guy. Great guy. He even did a little monkey double backflip rendition one time on his on his channel. So I appreciate him for that. So that backs up the story because the wife wasn't doing her duties. The young woman came in, did her duties and took her man in less than 10 days. Boy, oh boy, I tell you, man, uh, again, that exposed a error in her judgment, believing that. And I'm, I'm sorry, ladies, ladies believe that, hey, this is the best I'm going to give you. I ain't going to give you no more. All right. And then if a, if a young woman does come in and take your man, it, that's just how it goes. Shout out to you. Thank you for that. And shout out to Pastor Dowell, Michael, Michael M. Damn. All right. It's OK. We'll go with that. <laughs> we'll go with that. We'll call you double M. Suburban housewives have had affairs with the pool boy, <laughs> the UPS driver, the HVAC technician, the the personal trainer and the body build, builders at the gym. The stereotype exists for a reason, all right? So there's always been a stereotype even going further back, the milkman, the mailman, all right, um, the, the vacuum cleaner salesman door-to-door. -door. There's always been a stereotype of this, uh, a fear of men who leave us a woman at home, right? They leave a housewife at home. And there have been instances where there was one rumor, I don't know if this is urban legend, but there's allegedly, it might be urban legend, but there's a guy who was a mailman who fathered like a crazy amount of kids. All right. Anybody can know that story. There's allegedly a mailman who fathered ridiculously amount of kids based on DNA. <laughs> Let me see here. Let me see if I can pull it up. Mailman. It might be, it might be more urban legend. Fathered kids. Let me see here. Let me see if this is urban legend here. I don't know. This one says there's a mailman, 87 years old, who fathered 1,300 kids. I mean, you know, I don't know if that's exactly true. Um, who came up with this number? But uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's true. 1,300, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. And it has not been featured on any mainstream news. But, uh, yeah, if you look it up online, there's a mailman. Oh, there's a San Diego milkman who fathered 800 kids. <laughs> oh, this was on Channel 10 News. Uh, so it did get picked up here. Uh, in the 50s and 60s, a San Diego milkman fathered 800 kids. Uh, it's a fictional story, they say. But, you know, that's neither here or there. There goes the stereotype. That's the stereotype. So, wow. 
that's interesting. That's interesting stuff. That, that'd be interesting to dig up. I don't know. If you do the math on that, you know, not even Wilt Chamberlain can keep up with these numbers. Shout out to Peter Boyer on there for earlier today. Uh-huh. Simon Small for the gospel of the free agent lifestyle. The collection plate has been passed around. If you are thinking about where you need to be spiritually, you need to tune into the morning live stream. We talked about the Ukrainian woman who stole, who was a home wrecker and came in. She came in uh, from her war-torn area. Nice 22-year-old princess, Transylvanian princess. She came in and stole somebody's man right up under her doing very minimal, all right? But in that stream, we went in there and we talked about the scriptures and the scriptures that people don't want to live up to or they want to ignore living their hedonist lifestyle here, out here in these suburbs. Shout out to Justin Gonzalez. Titan Tuesday It's getting big in here. Pause. It is Titan Tuesday. Appreciate you, man. Jay Flo says the marriage will is undefeated. Coach gang is in the house. And we're ready to rip and roar. All right. Appreciate y'all. Do me a favor. Hit the like button and get some people in here. We got almost 900 people watching on, on the Free Agent Lifestyle channel. I would just venture to say that this is not going to be a popular stream. Uh, but it's going to be, it, most times people miss the streams that they should be watching. Because, you know, they think I'm going to just, I don't know what people think. Uh, but let me see if I need to go in here. and on the um. On the other channel, the Notorious CGA channel, what's going on over there? How many people are over there hanging out? We got 40 well, people watching over there. Let's see. Do I need to give some people give some people some ranches over there? We'll give uh, XL Pro Services a ranch, ad moderator. I wonder if I deleted people on accident over there. <laughs> um, the Milkman. Let me see one more. Cheap drum hacks get a ranch over there. We'll give y'all a ranch. Why do we call it a ranch? Because that's what we call it. All right, appreciate y'all for watching over there. Hit the like button. 42 people watching on the Notorious CGA uh, channel. We're trying to build that channel up. You know how they do me. 4,000 subscribers already. Um, Let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. First thing I want to talk about. First thing I want to talk about is this right here. KT King submitted this story after after we were talking about what we talked about, the people in the church living nefarious lives. Here's an Indiana pastor. He's admitting to an affair within a 16-year-old young lady. In Indiana, the age of consent is 16. I know that pisses people off when I say that. Well, why would you know that? Ignorance of the law uh, it does not, does not excuse you from the law. Everyone should know the law. And I am a knowledgeable person knowledgeable person of the law i don't know all laws but it's my duty to make sure i'm not ignorant of the law but the article also references that the age of consent is 16 so stop using shame on me but um here's the instance this pastor right here we talked about this he's a man of the cloth or the man of the past or in indiana he had to go up in front of his church and reveal that he had cheated on his wife and um the, the 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 congregation was ready to forgive the pastor. There's also other pastors that have done this. We told you the story of the baseball player from the Chicago Cubs whose, whose friend and pastor was banging his wife in the suburbs. But um this, but unfortunately for the pastor, the young woman, here it is right here, says the agent consent is Indiana is 16. So I don't want to hear nothing. Unfortunately, the woman that he had been having an affair with all these years decided to show up 
when the pastor was trying to get forgiveness from his congregation. And she aired the pastor out. She aired his ass out. <laughs> she aired his ass all the way out. You guys want to see it? Let's go say it. Fair use. Or any other situations of unbecoming conduct, conduct for the last 20 years. I will not use the Bible to defend, protect, deflect my past sin. I have no defense. I committed the adultery. In accordance with our church bylaws, I'm stepping aside, stepping down from ministry responsibilities, and have committed to the Lord and now to you. I will submit to the process and recommendations of this board. All right, so uh, there he went. He was like, I try to smooth this over. I'm going to just throw that out there. I cheated on my wife for 20 years, and uh, I'm going to just go on and uh, step down, and I will live in accordance to what the board has to recommend, and he tried to skedaddle. <laughs> Pastor was like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to just throw this one-minute apology out, and we just going to leave that alone, and I'm going to skedaddle. <laughs> Unfortunately, the woman that was having the 20-year affair was in the audience with her new husband. <laughs> and she decided to take the stage. Uh-oh. <laughs> and so Pastor decided to step to the side and let the people speak. Love us, please let us talk. For 27 years, I lived in a prison. It was not 20 years. Uh, 27 years. Wait a minute. Let me do the math. 27 plus 16 is you an old woman, bruh. Wait, you was getting smashed out for 27 years. This is what I'm talking about. This is the stuff that I was talking about earlier today. And I don't want to hear it. Yeah, that's one pastor out of many. But this is the stuff that I'll talk about. It happens right there in the house of, of the Lord. And these two people were active participants, although she's going to say, I'm the victim here. She was a legal adult. She was an adult age that could have sent, consented. And she carried on for 27 years. Mm. Let's go ahead and continue. I lived in a prison of lies and shame. Lying to protect the Lowe family. For years, I thought I was a horrible person having suicidal thoughts, not realizing. Hold on. Yes, she did throw in the suicidal thoughts. She did that. Now, I'm a little bit, you know, listen, I ain't trying to come down hard on the 304s today. But she did went, go play victim there. I ain't giving you no pass, lady. Yes, he should have known and you should have known. What had been truly done to me, that I was a victim and I would still be in a prison if my brother, and many of you know him, Edgar Wolf, had not approached me just two weeks ago with what he had seen as a teenager that bothered him all these years. His pastor in bed with his younger sister. <sighs> all right, so what she's doing is, I, I ain't going, listen, we, we deal with these people hard, bro. We, we, we don't deal with these people with kid gloves. Okay, yeah, you're excused. You're excused. You're excused. You had no accountability. Go sit down. Yes, the pastor was out of line. The pastor getting called out, unfortunately. All right. I mean, you know, fortunately, unfortunately. But she now said, oh, 
my little brother or my big brother caught me in bed with the pastor when we was all 16 and I consented. And I wanted to go throw myself off the bridge in Indiana. Oh, she holding court. She definitely holding the court. Bruh. <laughs> she 43 years old. Oh, man, you know, the last 20 years, 27 years of getting papped out. Yeah, it wasn't my fault. Let's talk about Let's take it back to when my big brother saw me in bed with the pastor. We ain't giving you, we ain't giving you no pass. We ain't giving you no pass here. You did it for 27 years, and now you got a new gump in your life, and now you want to come clean. T-shirt and underwear on. People knew, but were too afraid to come forward, and they have now. Did you say a T-shirt and underwear? Oh, anyway, I'm going to go past that. The lies and the manipulation have to stop. I was a prisoner, and you kept me in your prison. You hear her crying? A prison? She was a I'm a prisoner no longer. I was just six. Uh oh, they done sat down. They was like, oh, we ain't going for this. When you took my virginity on oh. your office floor. Ooh. You now that's wrong. You can't be a pastor taking no virginity on the office floor. That's wrong. Remember that. I know you do. And I have plenty of other stories that I could bring to remembrance. Ooh, boy. She said, hey, I got 27 years worth of stories. I can bring it all out. But see, gentlemen, this is what I'm talking about. They had a consensual relationship. Again, remember when I said this earlier, I said some women have never cheated on their partners, but they have been the other woman. Remember I said that and Tia came in there, whoever that woman came in there, not me. I've never been the other woman. Again, this points to my uh, proof again. This is more proof. They may not have cheated on their partner with their partner, but they have been the other woman. And this been this woman been the other woman of a church pastor for 27 years. And she up here crying. <laughs> okay, come on, man. You did things to my teenage body that had never and should have never been done. Don't. Oh my God. Did you? Oh my Lord. Look at me. Is that a movie? Remembrance. You did things to my teenage body that had never and should have never been done. Don't. She said, "You, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Shit. I'm not laughing." She said, "You done the." She said, "She sound like she reading from Sixty Shades of Grey." <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! This that yo, she was prepared. You done things to my teeth. I gotta hear that again. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now she's checking him. She chin checking him. Hold up. I know you do, and I have plenty of other stories that I could bring to remembrance. You did things to my teenage body that had never and should have never been done. I can't even imagine. What? Pastor, you need to be. You need to be shamed. Pastor, what were you doing to her? This is ridiculous. But by the way, it was not illegal. It was not illegal. Goodness. <laughs> I want to clip that, but that, I don't know, man. That clip is going to get me in trouble. <laughs> she said. Ay, ay, ay. Yikes.
All right, but once again, this proves, guys, and we're going to prove this later, that you guys will have relationships with women carrying on for 27 years, and she going to take it all the way back to when she was in her cotton bra and panties. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> that quote is going to ring in my ears for minutes. God damn. Okay, so now she chin-checking them. Don't look at me like that. You know the truth. I know, but you can tell the truth because this is a lie. Okay, he told the truth. He came out. I mean, he he blanked over it a little bit. He skimmed over it. But you stayed for 27 years. What he supposed to do? Talk about when you was a what he did to your teenage body and then go all the way up to when you were in college and then go all the way up to when you were married? What? But you need to tell the truth. You know better than it was. Listen, my wife is not just a daughter. It's another level when it's a teenager. And I will not let this man talk about my wife like that. It happened for nine years when she was 15, 16. The sexual. Oh, no, 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 no. Whenever they go and you say 16 and wherever it's legal, they always decrease a couple of years. And you'll hear it in a minute. It was when she was 15. No, they didn't say 15. They said 16. So it wasn't it, it wasn't illegal by the state's law. So they trying to put him in jail after 27 years. Come on, bro. We started. And it lasted until she met me and we started dating. This is the truth. Uh, How long did she keep this secret? How long have you been married and dating, bro? This was Bobby's come out of purity ring, which she wore while this man had sex with her. And she felt ashamed all these years wearing a covenant out of purity ring. Pastor know he wrong. Look at his whole body language. He know he about to go down. She felt a lot of shame and guilt. She wore a ring? She wore a ring for 27 years, bro. Come on, man. How are we just going to let her escape? She still had the ring, and he was like, what do you have that ring on for? Oh, it's because, I, look at her over here, bro. She, come on, man. We are working through love and forgiveness. Okay. We are working through it. But people have to be held accountable, and they can't just, they can't just bamboozle people and just say, well, I just committed adultery. It was far beyond adultery. What was it? So here's the covenant purity ring back. I don't want it in my home. I don't want it in my home. Oh, it felt it. Uh oh, they out of here. They gone. Uh, so he don't want it in the home no more. Here come the pastors of uh, flunkies picking up the ring and adjusting the microphone. Look at pastor. <laughs> Look at pastor. Go ahead. And, uh oh, he gone. Uh oh. This is what I. Hey man, this is why I told you about these churches, man. I told you about these churches. All right. There go her feet right there. Come holler at me. I won't keep you for 27 years. I told you about these churches that don't let make the people dress up and it look like a rock star concert. All right, these people are just bootleg musicians holding church. If you did it, you need to admit it. That's right. 100%. Wait, he admitted it already. Uh, <laughs> I told you I committed the adultery. He did. He did. Did you do it? He he said he did it. Mm. 
Yeah, she is flat-backed. And I didn't even catch that. Too flat-backed. Yes, you didn't tell them she was 14 years old. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you say 14? Now, see, I told you about the decrease in years. They always do that. Watch that. They. Yeah, he said it wasn't 14. It was 16. I told you they always decrease the age on you. She was like 12. Wait a minute, Mal. She wasn't 12. <laughs> they didn't go all the way back. Man, in Indiana, they don't know no math. Obviously, 27 years, I'm not accountable. Uh, she was 16. Well, she was 14 now. 13. Pretty soon, the news media going to say she was 12. I told you I can never go. I told you that it went on far too long. Did you do it? Yes, we did. You didn't you. tell them she was 14 years old. Bro. No, at 16. Sorry, 16. She was 16 years old, Jay. Yeah, man, come on, man. That was wrong. I can't say it. I can't make it right. I can't make it better. He's shuffling. Hey, pastor right now. Let's show you what the pastor's doing. My man got his shuffle boots on. Oh, he brought him to the party. I can do some shuffling, too. Look out, man. What you going to do? Look out, boys. It's coming through. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Maybe she was born on a leap year. Oh, sorry. 16. But that's how they get you if you don't correct them. She was 12 years old. And pretty soon, she was in fifth grade. You'd be like, hold up. Time out. By the time the story gets told and told, he like you not you not putting me in jail. I'm not going to jail over this. All right, but um, he made, he said make sure y'all say it's the right age. Anyway, shout out to Mark in over there. Shout out to you. He says good work, Coach Mario is in here. Thank you for the wrench. Appreciate you. I'm giving out government name. Sorry, loud pockets. I ain't scared. Government name, Jesus Ramirez from Fresno. Appreciate you, Lyle Pockets, in the building. Warhammer says, for the tip, uh, Warhammer for the tip drop, all right? Free agent lifestyle, appreciate you. Uh, uh, shout out to you brothers here. Let's check the PayPal over here. The PayPal just keep logging me out. One of these days, I'm going to put it on the screen with all my passwords out. <laughs> all right, uh, shout out to Harold L., he says, we need a breakdown of that Pastor Dowell video, Dark Side. Uh, check in. Shout out to the Dark Side brothers. Okay, let's get to the story that you've all been waiting for. Timestamp gang, we are here. 30-minute mark. We are ready to get in here on the story of Paige Bergfeld. As you guys know and see the thumbnail, this is young Paige Bergfeld. There are plenty of stories about Paige that have been done on YouTube. So I don't want to hear no bull crap. All right. There have plenty been uh, studies that have been done here or videos. If you can see here, that's her right there in that bikini photo. Uh, there's plenty of here's it right here. This is a young woman uh, that we're going to actually fair use a portion of her video. And she has a podcast that she talks about murders. I don't know what she's doing fixing her hair. What is she doing there? But here he is. Police are stunned by this Colorado woman's double life. Here's a guy right here and so forth and so on. The case of Paige Burkfield. So there's a lot of people that have wanted this one and uh or done videos on this one so now with that being said i just wanted to clear out the room and air everybody out this is paige bergfeld she is a divorcee twice divorcee single mother who was probably trying to reignite another relationship which we'll get to that 
she died mysteriously and it took several years almost seven to ten years nine years for this case to be solved and obviously you know by the situation here this is the secrets the secrets of the suburban life sometimes housewives unfortunately live secret double lives and it says here i'm going to read portion of the article upon first glance Paige Bergfield was a hardworking single mother of three who juggled multiple odd jobs to make ends meet. But an investigation into the 34, 34, 34 year old twice divorcee's disappearance from Grand Junction, Grand Junction, Colorado, which is a beautiful uh, city, by the way. I've been two times in the summer of 2007, revealed she had a uh, she had been living a secret double life as an escort. Again, I've been trying to open you guys' uh, uh, eyes up to this usage. Even suburban housewives turn to doing these deeds. So we talk about junior college girls. We talk about girls that do do this to um to to um pay their school tuition. A lot of girls do this. All right. Um, a lot of girls that you might know in another life, and you would never believe that they live this double life. Unfortunately, a lot of women turn to this in desperate times. So let's find out how she got there. And maybe we'll play a little bit of the ABC video to back this up. I'm going to have to fair use this, but let's go ahead and explain it. I'll have them explain it and see if it uh, triggers them. Play it. Play. What happened? It won't play the video? Okay. Let me see if I can go back. Oh, here it is. Yo, 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 yo. Go. Very Scoot. friendly. Scoot up. Simply vanished. The community comes together in a crisis. And beautiful Mesa count Mesa, the, the mountain mesas here is actually beautiful when you drive through here. Um, you can really do a, an archaeology study on this. It's here that in the summer of 2007, I came to report on a story about a young 34 year old mom named Paige Bergfeld. She had simply vanished. Frank, how would you describe your daughter? Uh, we're not going to let Poppy describe the daughter, but she was a good woman. Much everyone's friend and reaching out to help everyone and just very loving. I'm Barbara. I was one of Paige's close friends. Now, uh, one thing you're going to find out, one thing you're going to find out that when these things are exposed, you will find out that the friends knew about it. Right. We talked about this with the young lady that disappeared in Salt Lake City, and it was discovered that she was doing seeking arrangements and she had several dates all over Nevada, L.A. and Utah. And she disappeared on one of her dates. And then they they were just saying, oh, my friend disappeared. And then they found a friend. Uh, they found her. And then they were like, oh, well, yeah, we kind of knew she was doing this. Why? Because they were kind of doing it. But in this situation, the friends are going to say they're going to paint the picture of her fabulous mom lifestyle first and then they're going to reveal the double life and they're going to try to separate the two and they're going to try to say well you shouldn't judge her judge her on this not on this right here's what we have go ahead Paige is very much a soccer mom <laughs> she um had three kids Paige was the most kind of outgoing there she is with chad this is going to be her first husband independent Stubborn at times. Uh, there it is, independent and stubborn. This is definitely qualities that we see today in many people, unfortunately. Just great sister and, and terrific mom. I'm Carol, lived her home. And 
I knew Paige Bergfield for three and a half years, and she was just a wonderful person. I was just awestruck by her presence. I said, you're absolutely gorgeous. And she says, oh my gosh, I've, I haven't been told that in so long. Okay, so this is the setup that I wanted you to see. They're probably going to, they're, they're probably going to, uh, censor this part of it. I might have to have it erased from this point. But as you see, they're setting up the perfect part of her life, which is the perfect suburban housewife, the perfect perfect suburban mom, the mom who is the single mom, the mom that's doing her best for her children, blah, 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 right? This is the secrets of the suburban people. And I'm telling you, if she was not this, you know, long-haired, fair-haired, flat-back, you know, mom, if this was a ghetto mom with three kids, obviously with three different men, they're not painting this with this sweet little picture and they're not bringing Tamika and Shaniqua and Tata Alicia up to tell us how good of a mom she is, right? They're not doing that, but they're going to do that for the secret suburban housewives, right? Okay. Um, now that we did that, you have the setup of what's going on here. Now, let me, let me catch you up to what's happened. So Paige, um, started off married to Ron. We showed you the Chad. So her first husband was this guy, Ron Beagler, which we call Chad. All right. That's the picture right here. So this was her first husband when they were both rather young. And uh, this was her starter husband. And they were married between 1995 and 1997. At that time, Ron, I believe in one story, they portrayed him as a sort of a rock star guy doing like, you know, uh, music as a passion. And he just wasn't ready to settle down and have kids. And she was ready to settle down and have kids. Ron was still running these streets. Now, from Ron, she decided that she was going to upgrade. But before she upgrade, what she did was she turned to making some money on the side. She had to make a little bit of change out here. In these streets. And so now that she was no longer with Ron, she decided to make ends meet like a lot of young women are doing today. This, this story is going to play out a lot with young women because the economy was tough back then. She decided to do a little stripping. All right. This has all been predict. I mean, all been presented as a part of her life. So she stripped at a strip club. After her giga Chad decided not to settle down. Okay. So this was a part of her life. She went to stripping. Now I would have paid her a couple of dollars to bring that body over here, but she's not here anymore. So there goes that. Um, from there, she married this gentleman and she was taking out of the strip club. So this gentleman here name is Rob. His name is Rob Dixon. Now, my timeline may be slightly off, but there's Rob here. Rob met this woman, Paige, at the strip club. So Rob, who was a multimillionaire at the time, met Paige while she was stripping on the stage, and he fell in love with the stripper, all right? And he married her. So again, when I tell you about the secrets of the suburbs, I've often told you about the tale of Men in the suburbs marrying their escorts, all right? And people laugh at me when I tell you this, or they marry the girl that they meet at Hooters. This is a very common story. While I'm not saying it's 10 or 20% of suburbs, all right, of suburban wives, but a lot of suburban wives who are the hot mom 
Many times they were strippers, escorts, girls that worked at Hooters, et cetera, et cetera. There's actually a story of a celebrity athlete who I just remember they were talking about. Um, You know what? Let me think about it. Oh, Jose Canseco. Jose Canseco's met his wife. We did the video of his daughter. Jose Canseco met his wife at Hooters, and it was allegedly her first day on the job. And he married her, knocked her up uh, quite a few times. So again, this story is not uncommon, especially with men with money. All right. So uh, Rob was a man with money, a man with means, then along came to. And guess what? She jumped right on it because Rob said, hey, you want to have kids? It was probably pushing into her mid-20s. You want to have kids? I'll give you kids. And in the three-year period, Rob gave Paige three kids. So these are the three kids who are probably about teenage years. Unfortunately, they got to see videos like this of their mother. Listen, this ain't my fault. Listen, I'm doing my job here. But um, here's Rob here. Now, this is not Rob. I think that's the first husband. No, that is that is him. Well, what happened with Rob is over a five to seven year period, they moved to Grand Junction, Colorado. They were the kind of the wealthiest people in Grand Junction. And what happened was they started, um, um, he started to do his investments. He probably invested in Bitcoin, or I don't know. Um, he started doing investments and his investments started to fail. All right, let's go ahead and give him the... As his investment started to fail, he started hemorrhaging money. So they had a house that had a $6,000 mortgage on it. They had fancy cars, allegedly. This is all alleged. They had Lamborghinis and all of that stuff. But he started to lose his money. And as a result of him losing his money, he was uh, he was a guy that actually was, uh, he would take care of the community. He would, I think he was buying the firefighters, um, you know, and the first responders equipment, but he would finance it. And then when he was losing his money, he couldn't pay the bill and his his equipment was getting repossessed and he was losing his reputation. So as he's losing his money, his marriage is going left. All right. And as a result of his marriage going left, Paige started to insinuate that Rob was threatening her and being domestically violation towards her. So these are the scripts that we tell you about. Obviously, no money, no honey. All right. Uh, there, he can't tip their tummy, tummy with the taste of nuts and honey. It's the same pattern. Again, the marriage will is undefeated. So it's a bait and switch. He's losing his money. She's ready to monkey branch and get off. And he's stressed. He knows he's about to lose his wife and his kids. And so they probably, it was a powder keg. Again, in domestic violence situations, we have seen statistically that 70% of the time, the instigator is the person that is often seen as the one that's abused. So she could have been microaggression against him. She could have been aggravating him as he's losing his money. We don't know. He never was convicted of anything, but she called 911 twice on Rob, the man who married her out of the strip club. Okay. In the street. Now, Rob insinuates that she was trying to set him up so that he doesn't get custody of the kids. This is Rob's story. So Rob is saying, I did nothing wrong to her. She's using this to get me to not have custody of my kids, to take the kids away from me. So we've heard men tell that side of the story, right? He says, couple zero, bears will undefeated, couple 100. Hey, man. 
And so Rob is like, man, I ain't doing none of this stuff. As a matter of fact, I'll read to you transcripts of one of the um, alleged or two of the uh, 911 calls. My husband and I were in a fight and he wanted the children to stay with him. And he said that I would come home and find them all deleted. This is what she told the 911 operator about the first 911 call. Now, uh, no charges were filed. And she actually, by the time they come to the scene, she says, hey, I made it. Uh, we patched it up. All right. I, I don't I don't understand why women do that. Right. They get emotional. We know this. They start getting hyper and all of these things. They call the police and then when the police get there, oh, nothing happened. We worked it out. And it says right here, just a year later, Dixon was arrested for punching Paige while she was holding their baby. Obviously, she was using the baby as a shield, instigating probably and got decked. All right. I don't know. This is all alleged. He completed a course in anger management, but the two divorced and Dixon declared bankruptcy and moved away. All right. So he moved away. So now you have two men, two divorces, and she's comes up missing in 2007, I believe. She comes up missing. So obviously these two are the suspects. You got you got Rob who married her from the strip club and you have Giga Chad who was married to her for 2 years while they were young and he didn't want to give her babies. Let's see if we got Giga Chad. Giga Chad's right here. All right. She's got Giga Chad as suspect number 1 and she has Rob suspect number 2. Now, let's go ahead and see if this young woman can explain what happened next? And so this is a video from a woman who has a lot of subscribers. Congratulations to her. She probably does these type of breakdowns. Uh, she was much more sympathetic than I was uh, in her breakdown. But uh, that's neither here or there. Fair use, Kendall. We're going to do your fair use on this one. And we're going to let you present what happened in husband marriage number two, marriage will number two. So at this time in her life, Paige was newly single and she decided to work at a strip club. And this is actually where she met her second husband, who is named Ron Dixon. And Ron and Paige really hit it off fast. Paige was really attracted to Ron for, you know, a couple different reasons, but also because he had a lot of money. He came from family wealth. He was totally set up. And not only... So he had money. I got money. Boy, the marriage will is undefeated. That Rob and his family seemed to love helping people, love to help their community, and were always giving back. And she was really attracted to that. And not only that, she was attracted to that. Obviously, she's attracted to a lifestyle that she could benefit from. This is all the transactional relationship of relationships. When people say it's not transactional, this is, in fact, was a transactional relationship. Okay. Like all of them are. Rob wanted to have kids. And that was something that Paige just really loved about him. He was going to be a family man and fit that, you know, need in her life. So in 1998, Paige and Rob moved to Grand Junction together, which is a beautiful area in Colorado. It's kind of desert-like. It's over on the Western hey, border. Yeah, I guess yeah, it's kind of I a said smaller that town, you could say. So it is a small town. Anyway, what else do you got to say? Three kids together. Paige was super, super happy. She loved being a mom, loved her. She was happy. I'm not happy. <laughs> Again, boy, I tell you, man, can I, can I call them or can I call them? I don't like to show the kids. She hey. never wanted to spend any. 
I can call it like I see it. It's really somebody said. And that's yeah, you. Yeah, it was definitely, yeah, that's you. Time without her kids. She was with them constantly. Paige and Rob seemed to be living the perfect life. I mean, they lived in a really nice place. They lived the perfect life, suburban life, right? I'm, I'm setting this up. And this always is a catastrophe when the life goes away. It all falls apart. Their mortgage actually was like $6,000. It was a nice house out in Grand Junction, which isn't a super expensive area. All right. So she set all that up. Thank you for uh, doing that. And uh, then what we're going to do now is set up the next part of the story. All right. Are we with us so far? All right. Here, here she is here. So at the time, she gets the divorce from the second husband, who she said was uh, Ron, but it says Rob Dixon right here. She gets a divorce from the second husband, but she wants to keep the house. And that's you. She wants to maintain her life, right? She wants to maintain her life. So Rob Dixon moves away to the East Coast. He moves away from her and leaves the kids there. Now, Rob knew that she was doing a little bit of a double life because he, he knew she was a stripper. And he also knew as his finances went down that she would turn back to working, doing sex work. And I believe she was doing sex work at the time they were breaking up. And I think he was using that against her to get custody of the kids. And so instead of fighting that in court, he basically washed his hands of the family. So when men leave, this is another indication of what's going on here, that men make decisions. Um, and this woman's going to say it in the video. I should have played it. She's going to say Rob was a deadbeat. Let me go ahead and play that part of it just so you can hear it. Rob left instead of, you know, having a long drawn out divorce, an ugly divorce. He had two domestic violations or he had one domestic violation and a 911 call. And and uh, it would have been a nasty divorce. He was already broke. He washed his hands. And I don't know what he left her and he left and he still got called a deadbeat, which proves again what I talk about, which prove again what I talk about. You're going to be a deadbeat whether you stay and try to be with the kids or whether you leave. Let's go ahead and play that part of the video because I thought that was very curious of how she framed it. And then later on, she's going to say we shouldn't judge Paige at the end of the video. But she called Rob a deadbeat. Let's go ahead and uh, play that part of the video. So you know that had to be a super, super nice. Well, we got to work. He didn't seem to be okay. So I said that I was just going to take the children with me. But he wanted the children to stay with him. And See that? he said that I would come home and find them all murdered. But when police showed up, Paige and Rob claimed that they had, Let's that get, Rob had hit her. Well, Rob claims that he was always really supportive of her work, never judged her for it, but Paige seemed to think otherwise. But this time that she had called 911, Rob was arrested. He was arrested for domestic violence. Domestic violation, ma'am. Misdemeanor child abuse and third degree assault. Rob ended up taking a plea bargain and pleaded guilty to the harassment. After this, he had to do some court-ordered anger management courses. A lot of you guys have been caught up in that one. You took the plea. Your, your public defender said, just take the plea. And then eventually his charges were dropped. However, to this day, Rob claims he never put his hands on Paige. Rob and his lawyer believe that Paige was doing all this to set him up, that he was a bad guy just in case they had to go to court and fight over the kids. The kids were the most important thing in the world to her and thought. And to him too. And to him too that she would fight for full custody of them. So eventually Rob's finances got so bad that he had to file for bankruptcy. Again, the marriage will once again, ladies and gentlemen, 
the marriage will predict you're going to have to file for bankruptcy at one particular point. I know his business affairs were bad, but he did not want to proceed with a nasty divorce because it was just going to cost him too much money. And he was like, I'm out. And this really hurt his reputation. Fair, fair, fair use, fair use, fair use. Junction is a super small town. And when he first got there, he was known as this really smart, rich Let's skip ahead. man because he wasn't paying for it. He didn't pay for them in full. He had everything like leased out, burned up. And eventually Paige and Rob also got divorced in 2006. And this was really Listen. hard for Paige. It was hard for her. To it was hard for Paige again. I'm not happy. <laughs> it was hard for her. She got to be a super mom now. Now she could have gave custody over to Rob. She could have gave partial custody over to Rob and continued to do it. Nope. Nope. She didn't want to do that. She could have downgraded her life. She didn't do that. This is typical of what happens in suburban marriages. And then now she gets to be the victim, right? And then he gets to be the bad guy. Except that her perfect little family was not so perfect. Rob ended up moving out of Grand Junction to the East Coast and Paige stayed in Grand Junction with the kids. So now Paige is in a situation where she is suddenly a single mom of three kids and is the sole provider for them because Rob is kind of a deadbeat. At the there it is. You hear it? You hear it? Watch it. Stayed in Grand Junction with the kids. So now Paige is in a situation where she is suddenly a single mom of three kids and is the sole provider for them because Rob is kind of a deadbeat at this point. So Rob is a deadbeat. Now, how did Rob become a deadbeat? I mean, she Paige wanted Paige knew he was going to um, he was going to expose her secret life. He knew that she knew that she could have said, OK, don't expose me 50 50 custody. But. She wanted full custody, and he got an indication that that uh, because she's using the 911, and according to his lawyer, she's using the 911 to uh, set up a case to get full custody. So she chose, she chose to stay in the big house. She chose to not downgrade her life. She chose to keep the kids full time. She chose to not put the kids with the father. She chose to fight the father. She chose the divorce. Come on, man. how is he a deadbeat? <laughs> How was he a deadbeat? How was he kind of a deadbeat? He said, forget it. He's like, man, forget all this, man. I ain't going to deal with this. So let's get back to the story. Shout out to this one young woman here and her page, Fair Use. We have to invoke our fair use. Just in case you come to the video, uh, fair use excerpts of copyrighted material may, under certain circumstances, be quoted verbatim for purposes such as criticism, news reporting, teaching, and research without the payment, need of permission, payment of copyright holder, and all that stuff. You guys know it. Um, now, here's where it turns a little bit crazy. So, um, in the middle of the divorce or somewhere around the divorce, okay, she starts to have a conversation with ron the first husband guess what she's swinging back the pendulum swinging back she checks in on ron i would venture to say that somewhere while the divorce is happening or somewhere towards the tail end of the marriage where his money is where rob's money is being lost ron comes back in the picture all right so these oh, he's just a friend he's just my first husband right he's just a, don't worry about him i'm sure there was conversations had about why you're talking to ron but here comes Ron. Ron is back in the picture just in time to save her. So Ron comes back and they start dating again. They start communicating. And then on a certain day, which is going to be a very important day in 2007, 
they plan to meet in Colorado. I don't know if he's living there. I think he's in town. And they meet somewhere in the middle of Grand Junction in Denver. Two hours in between. I think there's a I think it's a considerable drive from Denver. But they meet somewhere in the middle. And now the last person to see Paige alive is Ron, the first husband. And Rob, her second husband, is in on the East Coast. So I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to do a couple cash app and PayPal. Then we're going to come back with the completion of the story because, boy, this story heats up. All right, this story heats up. Man, this is this is one of the best stories. I mean, I've seen this documentary uh, several times, several different versions of it. And when you hear the plot twist, you're like, oh, my God. Harold L. says the chat is out of control. Shout out to the, the live chat. All right, I don't know what y'all doing. Double A is in the building. What did Double A have to say? He says, Coach, do you have a tip for peddling women? Peddling women, thank you for your contribution to the space. Do you have any tips for peddling women? I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means. All right, I don't peddle women. What does peddling mean? Selling them? Hold on for a second. Is that what you meant? Uh, the peddling of fear, Luca. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to insinuate. SAU Engineeria says, uh, hey, coach, this is your boy, SAU. From south of the border, six years after my divorce, I paid child support, food, and have uh, up to have up the house. Or you gave up the house. I see it. Uh, the car, pay for private school, try to see my kids as long as I can, and suffer a lot. Uh, of more things and I'm still the deadbeat dad in all conversations. Hey man, join the club, join the freaking club. I mean, it is a, it's amazing how, when men try to be in the kid's life, they go to court, they fight for custody. The, there's a woman that's trying to not let him do it and not trying to celebrate the guy. Again, they will, they will take the kid from the father's house, move them into a hovel. The damn father's got a better living situation and he's financing and everything and he's still a deadbeat. Guys, I'm still a deadbeat to many of the people who um, who know my ex-wife. I'm a deadbeat. As far as they're concerned, I'm a damn deadbeat. Matter of fact, I met a guy who met me. He, he was friends with my ex and then he met me because I started, I was coaching my kid's soccer team and then his kid got put on my soccer team as a coach. And then, um, he was like, damn it. Like he later on told another friend, he was like, damn, he's nothing like she told me. But it happened, just happened that his daughter got put on my team. And um, he was like, damn, if I wouldn't have known, he's nothing like she said he was. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you, and to this day, I do exactly what he does. I pay for my kids' private school. I pay for their taekwondo. I coached all their teams, football, basketball, soccer, um, um, put them in tutoring. And as far as everybody know, the world's know, I'm abusive, deadbeat, okay? <laughs> it is the, it's how it works because they want to be seen. And as Paige's story, they want to be seen as super mom. And if I would have done this, if I would have said, man, F them kids, and I would have walked away, guess what? I'm still the deadbeat. She'd be up here. It's so hard and it's not enough. He's not paying me enough. He left me with these kids. Now I got to drive around. He doesn't help. He doesn't help. Then it would leg legitimately be, then she could play the deadbeat. Then she would have proof. Yep, because he's way over there and I'm way over here. He don't help. I got the kids full time. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter, bro. 
And this is why a lot of men in this space are now telling men, man, look, just wash your hands. I know it's hard because I heard men say this before and I couldn't do it. Nah, man, I want to be in my kid's life. But um, as my as my kids got older, man, look, go be super mom. I ain't winning the situation. All right, go be super mom if you want. If I want to be the deadbeat, I'll be the deadbeat for real. But it's the sad scenario of a lot of men. You know what I mean? We You do your damnedest for your kids, and they somehow try to rip the kids from you. They they um One thing that you have to look at is that they shower them with love. They interfere with your custody. So one thing that will happen is when the kids are with them, especially when they're young, they won't let you communicate with them. But then when the kids come to your house, they over-communicate. They, they pile on, oh, I miss you. I love you. You're the best. You're the best kids I ever had. I miss you. I love you. I love you. Because they sit over there lonely with a glass of wine. I love you. I miss you. The whole time they're at the dad's house. You're the best. I'll rain on this. I'll do this. You. I love you. I can't imagine a day without you. That's what they do. They love bomb them. And then when the kids go over there, you can't get in contact with them. <laughs> when the kids go to their house, you can't even barely get a hold of their ass. Guys, I proved this. I actually got into my kids' phones and I got proof. I got screenshots. They love bomb. And then one of my other kids told me, yep, her friend, his, the, the friends of my other kids said, yep, the mom's trying to love bomb you because they know they are in broken families. So that kid knows the other kids know, yeah, your mom trying to work you now. It's a effed up situation. But what they do is they, in, that's interference. Now, women are going to say, no, no, I'm just taking, no, it's love bombing. And it's manipulative. And it's done to undermine you. It's done to undermine you. So anyway, anyway, it's crazy. It's a crazy, crazy world. Shout out to, we're going to call you O-N-A. He says, uh, oh, it's at Sana. This comment section is something else. Shout out to the coach gang over here. All right. Uh, what's going on in the live chat? I don't even know. I, I can't pay attention to it. Cash app. King of Spades says, add the rich doctor and his wife selling peace leave on the side. There's another one. Yeah. So we had the plastic surgeon or the surgeon, heart surgeon. And um, his wife was working as an escort on the side. She couldn't give up the life. Shout out to my bootleg music. He, and he sends a link, but I can't click it on this app. But appreciate you for that one. It's Mark Nichols podcast. And then Eric's side sends Porsche gas money shun. Shout out to them. And I filled up the Porsche today. And woo, she was thirsty. She was thirsty. Shout out to the chat. All right, so uh, let's get to this. Let's get to the plot twist. So she's back communicating with husband number one. And husband number one is feeling a little bit different about her. And he's like, you know what? So you're a single mother of three and another twice divorcee. I think that we can get back together. And I don't know if he was just trying to hit it or whatever he was doing, but they set up a meeting to go meet each other. Let me go ahead and give you the date of the meeting right here. There's Paige right here. She's soccer momming and halfway posing, uh, whatever, whatever here. Uh, but there's a certain date that she meets with him. Here it is right here. Oh, uh, no, no, no. This is when she met him in high school. Okay. Where's the date? Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. That's Paige and the grandmama. All right. Here it is right here. June. I don't know what that banana was. What is that? June 28th, 2007. Thursday. 
Paige disappeared, leaving her kids with her live-in nanny. Wait a minute. Yeah, this was the Hey Big Head text. Hey Big Head. Hey Big Head, how you doing? So the kids have a live-in nanny. I'm curious as to how much that cost. She had promised to return later that evening. There's a banana in the tailpipe right there. There's Paige, all of her flatbackedness and all of that. Shout out to her. Hey, I wish you were still alive. It says, I tried to get in touch with Paige. This is the living nanny, and she didn't return my call. This is not the living nanny. This is, I believe, anyway, it says, which I thought was rather odd. I thought she was really busy, and I would hear from her later. Now, the nanny knows what she does on the side, and she also knew that she was going to visit her ex-husband, number one. And they had a picnic. Boy, that sounds racist. They had a picnic in the middle of Colorado. But the nanny knew that she was working side jobs. In these streets. Uh, Paige's daughter, Jess Dixon, left desperate voicemails asking for her mommy to come home. Paige wouldn't be... Uh, bad on her word if she said she was coming home she was coming home but on friday she came and uh, friday came and went and saturday came and went and there was still no word about her whereabouts so after not hearing from her mom for two full days jess who's only eight years old goes to the police station with her nanny to let the police know the mom had disappeared okay and then the father of Paige says uh, who lived four hours away in denver four hours away also tried to get in touch with Paige. Also, who tried to get in touch with Paige was her ex-husband, number one, because they had just met, and he was calling to find out where she at because she wasn't returning his phone calls. But here's where the problem ensues. After she met with ex-husband, number one, she went back to her business. Oh, yeah, she showed, she she sold multi-level marketing stuff. She did um, Pampered Chef. She did all the multi-level marketing. She was a dance teacher for kids. She had a couple of other odd jobs in which they did insinuate, but she also ran an escort service. Let's go ahead and scroll down and show you that. Here it is right here, which she ran an escort service of one. On a website called NaughtyNightlife.com, this here is her profile. And a lot of young women are going to have these type of profiles right here in their future because they're doing this right now, right? This is a situation where it came up. I've been norming, uh, warning you. This here is her profile. Right here, age 29, 5'4", 112, hello, foldable. Grand Junction, dark blonde, hazel eyes. She uh, will travel within Colorado and neighboring states by charter jet only. Charter jet only. And hours 24-7. Additional cities I provide my services in. Parachute, Rifle, Silt, Delta, and Monthros. And that was her phone number. Please don't call it. I describe myself as a beautiful body and face, nice hair and teeth, sensual mannerisms with a fun attitude. This was seeking before seekable, uh, seeking. Uh, tired of chopped meat showing up when you ordered filet mignon? Question mark. Affluent clients are lavished in delightful sessions with Models, Inc. ladies. So there was a phone number in which you can call Paige's number, and then there was an answering service. They actually played it on the show. And they said 
She was on the voicemail. Hi, you've reached Models, Inc. in Grand Junction. But she was the only girl working. She was the only girl. She actually had an office space, and she did in-service, in-calls. So she had an office space that she said was a acupuncture studio. So when she rent, she rented it out to her, whoever rented it out to her, she said it was an acupuncture studio, but she would do sensual massages. Now, after she met with her first ex-husband for a picnic, he says, damn, she got a whole pitch of the office and everything. Yeah, she had her office, so she had a side hustle. By the way, her nanny knew about this. Several of her suburban housewife friends knew about this. Her first husband knew about this, and her second husband knew about this. It was not a secret. As a matter of fact, there would be men that um, there was a guy on one of the shows that said, yeah, I tried to date her and then also met her. He didn't know that she was the escort. He called up the escort service to get some sensual pleasure. And then it was the woman he was trying to date. And it was the woman he knew as the soccer mom. And he was kind of floored. He was kind of taken aback like, whoa, they actually showed that part in one of the shows. I don't know if that's true or not. So this town is not very big. It's not very big. So it got around very, um, very much that a lot of people knew about this secret life. But unfortunately, it would cause her to, be at her, to her demise because after she met her first husband at the picnic, she went to an appointment with a client. She went to an appointment with the client. She said, hey, baby, I got to go back to work. And instead of going back to her kids, she probably said, hey, I'm going back to my kids. She went to meet with a client real quick. This is all documented. And the client she went to meet with is this man right here. So a lot of times the ladies will say, hey, I'm busy. I'm super busy. I got a lot going on. I got to hurry up. I have an appointment to make. Unfortunately for her, this was her appointment right here. This man's name is... Uh, his name is suspected to be Jim. Jim had an appointment with Paige. I don't know what the appointment was for, but she thought Jim was very creepy. But Jim and Paige had communicated through a bat phone that Jim had. Yes, Jim was married. Jim was married and had a wife and kids and all of that. And uh, what happened was Jim finally did track her down. They met. and. Jim would be the last person to see her, but this would not be discovered for some two to three years, if I'm not mistaken. It took a couple of years for Jim to figure out, uh, for them to figure out that Jim was the last person that she communicated with, but it was only through a bat phone that they found this. Okay. Now, the way they did find her, unfortunately, they found her in this car right here. They found her in this car and it was pretty burned pretty badly. OK, but um, the car was burned across the street from where Jim worked. Go ahead and give him an L. So when they brought out the cadaver dogs, they hit on Jim's location, which was across the street from where he worked. All right. So Jim is the suspect, but they can't pin it on him. So what they did was they pinned a domestic violation case on him to get him locked up, all right, in which I believe he had shot at his at his wife at the time. He shot at his wife's male friend, 
you say he's just a friend. I tell you, man, these the things that go on in relationships is crazy. So I guess that's how he got locked up. He shot at his his wife's friend, male friend, when they were in the car together. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my Lord. And so they locked him up and then they did all the investigation. I think he even got out and then um, and then they ended up investigating him and his bat phone and all of that. He ended up confessing in a drunken call about getting his car back. And he ended up confessing and telling on himself because he was drunk. All right. And so that's how he got picked up in all of that. I think they found the car and they found the body. The body was buried up here in Grand Junction. So they found the car, but not the body. Anyway, it took two trials to convict him. One trial ended up, I believe, in a mistrial. Second trial, they got him on second degree kidnapping, murder, and all of that. Deletion. We call it deletion. And this butt is in jail for life, all right, for taking the life of this woman. All right, as we say over here, I don't advise people do this at all. I don't say people deserve it um, and, or any of that. I'm not saying she deserved it because she lived a double life. I'm not saying any of that, all right? However, he deserves to be in bars, on, behind bars for taking a life, all right? But with that being said, what a tangle web we weave when we first practice to deceive. Okay, when we live these double lives now, again, we always tell people here on our channel, whether you're male or female, you guys put yourselves in situations. We tell you the struggle didn't choose you. You chose the struggle. There were several instances where she probably could have got away and been saved. Right. A couple of men did try to save her from that life. And she chose to not live that life and go back and forth between several men and then work with other men to make additional ends meet when she could have actually just had a better, she could have chose a little bit better, but she didn't. And as a result, this led her to these circumstances. It's not why she uh, is not shaming her, not judging her. It led her directly to the hands of that guy. Without a doubt, without a doubt. If she wasn't doing that, if she would have gave the second husband proper custody, if she wouldn't have fought him, if he would have actually been there, it, we wouldn't be in these situ situations. But this is a cautionary tale of the nefarious lives that people live here, and they're constantly casting judgment on everyone else, right? There, people do this all day long. They judge other people, and then their lives are a complete disaster, especially in the suburbs. Unfortunately, she met her fate that night. All right, um... Let me let me I think I have a portion that I want to uh, to play here. Fair use here. Let me invoke my fair use privileges here. We won't play the music. Excerpts of copyrighted material may under certain circumstances be quoted verbatim and all of that stuff. You know what it is. Um, let's see how the police handled this. This is a reenactment. Let's see how the police handled this. Next, police turned to search pages, phone records because she was using. Oh, hold up. We got chipmunk speed. This is how I do so I don't fall asleep. Coming up empty. Police were left with tiny clues, but had no idea how they could link together and explain Paige's strange disappearance. Next, police turned to search Paige's phone records because she was using her phone during the drive home. Both of Paige's ex-husbands had already been ruled out as suspects in her disappearance, but one mysterious number remained unknown. Paige had called that number right before went missing. When police contacted the mysterious last number, they discovered something that surprised them all. It turned out that while Paige was taking care of her beautiful family and living a peaceful life in Grand Junction, she was also living a double life. 
Police soon tracked the mysterious phone number that Paige had called to a man named Jim. To make matters even more perplexing, Jim did not know Paige as Paige. He only knew her as Carrie. Fine. All right, there you go right there. So Jim didn't know her as Paige as everybody know her. He knew her as her seeking arrangements name. While the nanny was taking care of the kids, while, while the father could not be there for custody at all. I don't know why he couldn't be there. He chose to not be there. All right. And that was because she was going to file for full custody. But this is what the second husband was going to use against her to uh, get custody of the kids. And then she decided to do the domestic violation call. So, um, you know, it is what it is, man. Finding Jim became something of a challenge because he had been contacting Paige via a prepaid phone. So it was not linked to any credit card or even a real name. As it turned out, she was the only person Jim contacted with the phone. A total of five calls were made over several days until the phone eventually went dead. Soon, police went to work to find out who this Jim was. Police eventually learned that Jim was not named Jim at all. His real name was actually Lester Jones. Lester? <laughs> yeah, he had that burner phone. Lester? Oh my God, Lester. Jesus. Not Lester. <laughs> they also found out that his place of employment was situated right across from the parking lot in which Paige's car was found burning. Police looked over Jones' record and found out that he had served time in jail for crimes ranging from sexual assault to an attempted kidnapping. Mm. And he's over six feet tall, by the way. Police eventually raided Lester's work, which was an RV shop. Yeah, he was like six foot six. Good Lord. No, so she was five foot four. He's six foot six. She had no chance. She had zero chance. There, they uncovered the secret life of Jim. In his office, he kept meticulous lists about various escorts, which included details about their appearances, their personalities, even their bra sizes. Damn, Lester, you keeping a list? Jesus. Lester keeping a list of their bra sizes. Bro, I don't even do stuff like that. While searching through Jones' things, police discovered Paige's dark secret. She was an escort. Her strange phone calls were regarding the business she ran called Models Incorporated, in which she was the only employee named Carrie. Paige's family was stunned to learn about her secret life as an escort. Her parents processed this unbelievable news as her siblings tried to make sense of all the news. One thing they did determine, however, was that Paige didn't take on this job for the enjoyment. Hold up. She didn't take on this job for the enjoyment. Yeah. I'm going to just go ahead and have to go Martin Lutherly on that one. I'm going to have to go Martin Lutherly. I, I just can't even. What in the hell does that mean? So now it's because she had to make ends meet, right? The same thing as I had to pay my way through college. It, it's never. <laughs> it's, just, it's never I decided to do it. You know, I want, you know, it's never going to be that. Just like the woman we, we had in church. 27 years go by. She up there throwing the damn commitment ring and it's all your fault. They were convinced it was all done to provide a better life for her children.
five years after Paige vanished. In- hold, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Um, again, I we we tell this things again from the male perspective. If how come the father was not an option for a better life for the children? I, I mean, listen, we know the father wanted custody initially. I'm not just going to excuse this stuff. I know society wants to just go excuse this stuff and she wants to be super mom. Okay. She decided to be super mom and keep the custody away from the father. And he got out of Dodge and said, forget it, man. I'm going to wash my hands. I can't deal with this. I'm not going to put up with a fight. He was going to lose no matter what. They already call him a deadbeat and he provided this life for them. Why didn't, why didn't she just say, Hey, we'll call it what it is. You have the custody of the kids on this week and on that week. I mean, he wanted it. He clearly wanted it. He showed up. And she said, no, I'm going for full custody. Why didn't you give a, the, the dad a chance? Again, I'm not going to sit here and listen to people say, I was a struggling single mom. Most of the time, you chose to be a struggling single mom. Many, many times, the dad does leave, but not all the time. The dads are forced out. The dads are made to be a Debbie. The bad dads are feeling made to feel like it's not they're not uh, the, the, the part of the kid's life as long as the relationship is there, not there. And let me give you another a scenario that paints this perfectly because I've been telling you a lot of times women think they own the children. And a lot of people are like, what? What does that mean? When you break up, they think, oh, these are my kids. I'm going to take my kids and you're never going to see them again, right? And then you guys cry, I want to see my kids. Can I see them? I'm in town. I'm on town Saturday. Can I see my kids? And you asking her, I always tell you, never ask her, never negotiate with a terrorist. If she's going to harbor the kids as fugitives um, against you, do man, wash your hands. You don't have to ask her for permission. But a lot of times women think you got to ask me for permission to see your kids. That's number one. Number two, if you put a kid in a woman's body, she basically just dumps you to the side and say, you ain't got no choice whether I keep this kid or not. It's in my body, my body, my choice. Now, hold up. Hold up. It's half my DNA. It's my seed. I put it in your body. It came from my body first. But they will say you don't have no choice. This is their mindset. It's my kid. It's mine. It's mine. And it's out of control. And then it leads to these situations where they struggle. They choose to struggle. Something happens in their life. Their lives get hard. And it's your fault. Wait, now it's my fault. But I didn't have any choice in the matter. What in the hell is going on here? Our world is out of control. And it's out of control because people have this idea that they own the kids. You chose this life for the kids. You were trying to make a better life for the kids. But... You didn't give the father a chance. And it's clear that that's happened. Don't say, no, well, he just left. No, no, no. See, that you're feeding into the storyline. He didn't just leave. He wanted to be there, and she forced him out of the life. We already played that part of the story. Shout out to KT King talking about my Venmo over there. In 2012, a hiker was out enjoying the scene. All right, we don't need to know all that. She got found. 2012. So it took them five years to find her. If I'm not mistaken, it took them five years to find the body. So he hit her pretty well. And uh, it took Kaylee Yodelay to find her out there. What was he doing way out there, wherever they found her? You know, maybe things shifted and changed and, you know, all of that stuff. Let's do the cash apps and all that stuff. If we would get right back to how it should work, people wouldn't put themselves in these circumstances at all. I, I mean, I can't, you, you know, I mean, if stuff happened to me, everybody could trace it back. Well, what did you do? Oh, well, that's where you messed up. 
it's clear and obvious. She took several steps that she could have not taken. I think she probably would still be here. Shout out to Josh Deswoosh. I'm 21. My cousin is 19. I can't tell you how much you have helped me. Generation Z is lost and there is no hope. No. I don't think you guys don't realize how bad Gen Z has it. Now, I know every generation thinks that they have it worse. But the way what I see of Gen Z, unfortunately, they've got a bad start in life. <laughs> they got a whole bad start. They got a bad start. Like they've had the pandemic. They came right out of, they were born right during the, the Great Recession. And um, now their whole facade about career and college is falling apart. There's no more liberal arts to turn to. College debt, the college debt crisis is raining on their head. They're, they're looking at it like, why am I taking out student loans? It just doesn't make sense to them. So their options are going to be like, like, where do they turn? They don't want to work at McDonald's and Chick-fil-A. Some of them do. Some of them don't. They lost three years of their lives sitting around, right, taking school classes at a, on an on a iPad. All right. They, they kind of messed up. They lost three years to go out here clubbing and all that stuff. It, they, they really been they really been hampered. Yeah, there's no more women's studies, Afro, Afro-American studies. If you go to college today and you say, I'm going to study Afro-American studies or Chicano studies or woman studies, you got to be a plum idiot to go to school to do that today. Like, you got to be dumb to be like, yeah, I'm going to go to school. What you going to major in? Ah, oh, psychology, you know. Mm. I don't know yet. And you going to college? Man, please, do just sit your ass down. Nobody should encourage a kid to, to do that and take out years and years of student loans just to go explore those days are over those days are absolutely over (laughs) i mean you be a plum idiot to do that just go get books you can go on youtube and get that study that degree but people are going to do it and they're going to find themselves jacked up all right shout out to the cash apps over there davoni is in the building he says it's easier for men to be single parents versus for women um, he says that and people are going to say no, but I'm going to just portray it like this since we have time. We don't have a lot of donations on this show, but we have time. Let me let me just show you something. Paige in this situation, we're going to use her because she's the example. Paige was a hustling mom. She tried her best, but she excommunicated the father out of the family. Uh, she made it difficult for him and he was going through a difficult time. She divorced him on his down slope, right? Right when he was losing the bag, she got rid of him, all right? That's what happened. But while she's hustling, doing three and four odd jobs, she had a dance studio or she was teaching dance classes. She was a volunteer. She was doing pamper chef parties. And I think she sold, um, she did something else. She, she had another hustle. And then she was an escort, right? So she had like five hustles. In that, in that, she also had a live-in nanny, meaning she didn't have a lot of time to go hands-on with the kids. Okay, I want you to think about this for a minute because society's going to not make this aware, make you aware of this. As a father who wants to be in the kid's life, and I just want some time, she obviously is giving not that much time to the kids personally. She has a live-in nanny. 
So at three o'clock, while she's out here, maybe turning some tricks, maybe selling some pans and pots, while she's out here teaching dance classes, where the daddy at? How come the daddy can't have any time? Instead, she does what I call, she pushes the kids to her network of community babysitters, meaning, can you pick my kid up from school? You know, she's one of those parents that the kid never has a ride to and from games, and some parent has to pick up the kid. The parent's like, man, I ain't got no time. At one point, some parent will say, okay, you know, I'll help you out. But she's got three kids to pick up. No parent is going to dis- uh, inconvenience their day every time for you. You're that one mama. All right, so then what's happening is the dad can't have any custody time, so the mom hides the kids through all these network of babysitters, after-school day program, all right, part-time nanny, full-time nanny. Why can't the kids be with the dad during that time where it's quite simple? If that was the case, she would not be able to maintain that house in her car. It's too easy. I know women that do this all the time. And then where's the dad? Oh, he's a deadbeat. He don't want to, or he moved away. He moved in with a new girlfriend. I don't want my kids to be over there with the new girlfriend, the new girlfriend's kids. Okay. And, or I won't get child support. I want him to pay child support. I don't want him in my life. Ah, he's an abusive man. And then instead, she does this. See, this is the problem that I have with society. We, 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 we're trying to paint her as the super mom and she cares so much. If she cares so much, she wouldn't have made it harder for the dad to be around. He obviously loved the kids. I know, don't tell me, well, he, maybe he was a deadbeat. It's too easy to paint that picture. It's too easy. It's too easy. But that I'm not going for that. We had to have evidence that he was a deadbeat. The evidence was she made it difficult for him. Maybe he did slap her up. I'm not sure. But we have to have evidence that he was like, man, hell with y'all. But he didn't. He actually was trying to be in the kid's life. Matter of fact, matter of fact, let me just say this. After she died, he took the kids. So there you go. After she died, who the kids live with him. So he obviously wanted the kids. And he has them now. So there's proof that he wasn't a deadbeat. He actually took the kids. It would have been super deadbeat. The pro- you would have proof that if she would have died and the kids went to go live with her parents. They did not. They went to go live with him. Because he's like, shit, I wanted you the whole time anyway. But we can't say that because if we say these things, don't talk about the mother of your kids like that. But then they can have him out here being a deadbeat while she's out here jumping on salami. I mean, I tell you, man, this is our world. This is the world we actually live in where we can push these narratives and then we can have her harbor the kids and keep the kids away from the father as much as possible. So much so that people gave her a pass for juggling five jobs and having a live-in nanny. It's sickening. And they gave her a pass even when she met her demise. They gave her a pass. This is the stuff that I'm trying to work against. (laughs) This is what we work. This is what I'm trying to make people aware of because we need to not easily have these narratives. They had all the pretty pianos. Oh, she was so wonderful. She was super mom. Okay. Why the dads aren't there? Why can't the dads be there? It it was so complicated. 
They giving her a pass all the way to don't judge her. There was a video I was watching of a woman explaining the story. And then she's in there in the comment section in there raining. Don't judge her. Sex work is sex work. You're judging her. She doesn't need judgment. How? If this flip the story and it's a dad and the dad got picked up deleting a escort. Flip the story. The dad got picked up deleting an escort. Oh, he had the kids in the custody of the kids, but he was out here banging escorts. Guess what? His ass would be under the jail and they'd be blaming him. I can't believe he was living that type of life. Or let's say he was out there being an escort and he was meeting up with dudes in the middle of some in San Francisco. And he had to do what he had to do to take care of the kids and he got deleted. They'd be like, what a horrible dad. How could you be doing that when you should have been at home taking care of the kids and you had to live in nanny? How dare you? They be killing a dude. What kind of monster are you out here being a gigolo to sugar mamas, old women, giving them erotic massages? Yep, that's what they be doing. Pause. But can't make a judgment about them. Nope, nope, nope. She was super mom. She loved the kids. Don't, nope. No, 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 no. We don't want to talk about that. It's it's one of the it's the cruelest world. It's a cruel summer. Anyway, look, I'm going to check on the donations over here. And then slow Tuesday is going to be in effect. Jay, Jay, Jay says Paige is the end game of womenism. <laughs> is she? This story goes back to 2000. It actually took nine years for him to get put 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 away, I believe, from the crime all the way until they put him away. I believe it was nine years. So it took quite a long time. And by the way, it, no one knew. Like, it took nine years. They did story after story after story. They just couldn't put it together. And he actually buried himself. Shout out to Todd C. He says, give me an Uncle Earl, please. Well, let's see what we got here. Let's line him up. What's up with Uncle Earl? Here comes the bankroll. Here it comes. This is what make it all happen right there. That's what make it happen. This is what make it happen. If a man want to know how to meet a nice woman, how he meet her. With this. First damn word come out your mouth. I got money. But those not respectable women. I don't want no respect. I want some ass. Damn the respect. I want you to break down like a 12 gauge double bear shotgun and show me what you're working with. But don't you want commitment? What? Go who? You go don't want to be committed. Shit. I'm committed to getting her to that bedroom and giving her what she needs. Um, of course, Uncle Earl's the bad guy, right? He's the bad guy. You bad man. But on the other hand, um, not she was trying to make ends meet. Oh, just like the girl that got up in the church, man. The girl that got up in the church. I was doing this for 27 years and you did things to my body and my brother saw me. And I went to college and I came back to you. I wore a wedding ring. I wore a promise ring. And it was you 27 years later, 27 years later, she's still in there burying his ass. <laughs> anyway, shout out to you guys, man. Look, we're going to get out of here. It's time to skedaddle. We're going to be back. Kick your slow Tuesday off. Get some tacos and you know what else to get. All right. Shout out to you, brothers, man. Who Did we get? Um, Yep. We got Uncle Earl in there for everybody. And we out of here. <laughs> I can do some shuffling too. Look out, man, what you gonna do? Look out, boys, it's coming through. Yeah, man.